This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're now listening to Boomsies with Dan O'Toole on the Bet Rivers Network. Ah, it's cold in this basement. One day I'll be out of the basement, mommy. Mommy. Welcome to Friday Friday. In what has been a stellar run of uh, shows here, we had Dave Mercer on last week. Talking fishing, we had Tom Green on Boomsies this week. Next week, we've got Kevin Burkhart, the lead voice on the NFL on Fox. Ernie Witt's on next week. And today, we have the man that all Canadians have grown to love because he is the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. That man is Dan Schulman. Dan, a few reasons I, I love you. You're a great broadcaster. Your name's Dan. And when you appeared on uh, the old podcast with Jay and I, I think, if I remember correctly, you also said your favorite Jays team of all time, like mine, is the 1985 Blue Jays. It would definitely be a team back in the 80s, and maybe that's just you know uh, what meant a lot to us when we were young is what means a lot to us for our entire lives. But I would say 83, 84, 85, you know, when they really got good for the first time. I remember 77, 78, 79, not to sound like a dinosaur or anything, but when you started to see Bell and Mosby and Barfield and Upshaw and Garcia and Fernandez and Mullenix and and Steve and you know and all these guys get good in 83 84 85 um those teams were great and um that was a phenomenal team still to this day it holds the franchise record for the most wins in a season with 99 so yeah that was a pretty special team and not uh not pandering to the crowd here but getting back to the name Dan I had this conversation with another Dan the other day I'm like have you ever met a Dan you don't like and I'm like I don't think I have huh I've never thought of that. I don't know about you. I actually, in 90% of my life, I'm Danny, and I prefer to be Danny. Now, I don't come on air and say, hi, this is Danny Shulman here at Rogers Center, because then I sound like I'm in grade four or something like that. But but I prefer uh, people to call me Danny. Most of my family calls me Danny. I don't know about you. Um, I get a lot of Dano. A lot of buddies call me, Dano, what's up? I, I never get Dano. That's funny. I've never been a Dano. Two people called me Daniel. Uh, the late, great Jim Hunt called me Daniel, and Bob Elliott calls me Daniel. But everybody else is Danny or Dan. So I'll, I'll, I'll have to think if there's a disagreeable Dan that I've ever met. I'm not sure about that. I'll ask, you know what, Danny Jansen about is, is about as nice a guy as you'll ever meet uh, as well. So there's another one. So, yeah, I guess we've got to uphold the name. My plan here for my little town of Orono, Ontario, is to have a Dan Fest, where it's all okay. Dan-related things headlined by the Dan Band, 
who uh, I think uh, they're the band that plays in the Wedding Singer or one of those one of those movies. They're an actual band, so there'd be a lot of Dan related things like a, a nap area, uh, whatever else we'd have, and all Dan's would get in free. So we would hope you would attend that. If this ever happens, I doubt it ever will, but if it does, we want your attendance. Uh, I'm in, and if there's a nap area, I'll be the first in line. I, I promise you that. <laughs> uh, so we speak to you You're in Kansas City. Um, are you sick of barbecue? Do you still get barbecue when you go to Casey after all these years? I'm going to disappoint you here. I'm not a barbecue guy. Uh, and I am a carnivore. Uh, I'm a steak guy and a hamburger guy, but for whatever reason, I'm not a barbecue guy. And uh, about 10 minutes ago, just before uh, you and I started talking, I uh, received and finished my Uber Eats make your own salad uh, from a place. So with me, generally, eating starts great in the morning. It's pretty good at lunch. And from 4 p.m. on, it's a disaster. So, and that's a function of, you know, being in arenas and ballparks for years, after, you know, year after year after year, and then occasionally making some poor choices after games as well, which I shouldn't be doing at my age anymore. So um, I, I hate to not feed the narrative, but I'm not a barbecue guy. And uh, I try to get my greens in early because it gets worse as the day goes along. Okay. So that leads me to a question from my mom, Sandra O'Toole. I, I said I'd be talking to you. She said, by the way, I love them. Uh, uh, Dan and Buck, they always have a conversation going. It's so lovely to listen to. And Thank her you. question was, do you eat at the ballpark? Yes. Uh, so, uh, I mean, not everybody may may eat, but, uh, but I do. So at the Rogers Center... There is a, I mean, as you know well, there is a media dining area, and uh, I'm usually in there to grab something quick. Sometimes I take it back to the booth uh, at, say, like 5.30 before the game. That's kind of the the, the general deal. If it's a 7 o'clock game, you're at the ballpark by 3. Um, I don't know about uh, other people. Buck actually can go a long time without eating. He can go a longer time without eating than I can. Sometimes he skips dinner. I can't do that. So... Uh, yes, I always uh, grab a meal. It's one of these things. You go in, you pay your 12 bucks or whatever it is. You got three entrees and a little salad bar. If you're lucky, a nice dessert. Grab a little uh, bottle of water or Diet Coke. Head back to the booth and and, and eat it there. And it's funny because um, all of us baseball broadcasters are the same, which means we're um, self-absorbed and infantile, basically. we uh, the, the main way that we evaluate ballparks is by the meals, actually. How, well, how good, can, how good is the sight line for how well? can you see the field from the booth and how good are the meals? Those are the two main things uh, we talk about. So, uh, cause I'm a picky eater. So sometimes uh, I struggle. I don't do well at whatever the White Sox ballpark. I can't keep track of what it's called anymore, but whatever the White Sox ballpark is, that's not a good one for me, but here in Kansas city and at home in Toronto, I do fine. You mentioned the sight lines. How many foul balls have you caught? If any in the booth caught, or picked up after they stopped rolling. Or, yeah, ended up with. <laughs> ended up with. So in Toronto, I've never had one. The The, the booth is high uh, at the Rogers Center. Um, it's a good question. At Old Tiger Stadium, which is no longer in existence, we were so close to home plate. If you looked at the back, it had one of those cork boards behind. You know what I mean? Like, a, I don't know if that's, a, uh, if that's still a thing anymore. And it looked like somebody had you know, I mean, shot holes in it. There were so many baseballs that had come in and hit the back of it. It was all dented. And, and but I, I got lucky. None ever came in while I was broadcasting a game there because you, you really wouldn't have time to react. You were so close to home plate. At the same time, your adrenaline was so high and you were so focused because, you know, you had to be on your toes because you were so close. 
I don't, I think I've had a couple in the booth. I have never caught one on the fly. That I know. Absolutely, I've never caught one. That I would remember. Some of the booths are too high. Boston, Pittsburgh, Washington, Atlanta, Toronto for the most part. So, um, yeah, you'd think I've had more. Doing this for 28 years, you'd think I'd have all kinds of great stories. But um, I guess my best foul ball story is way, way, way back when in the 1990s, I'm walking down the left field line in Dunedin at the Blue Jay Spring Training Facility. For some reason, I was walking out like the, an entrance by a gate deep down the left field line and was not paying attention, which is on me. I know better. Batting practice was going on, and somebody hit one, and I'm 300 feet away down the left field line, and it hit me right in the back of the right shoulder. So fortunately, oh. it got me there and not here, um, but that's probably my best foul ball. I thought you were going to say you Kevin Mitchell it and just barehanded it. Uh, no, um, and I had, <laughs> I've had two foul balls hit me right in the hands when I was in the seats. And I've been charged with an error on both of those plays, unfortunately. As a baseball broadcaster, the pitch clock must be a godsend because in the back of your mind, you're like, we got less time to fill. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm for it uh, on a number of levels. Uh, I was for it before it came in. I thought it would kind of have the impact um, that it does. My son did minor league games last year, so he, you know, he would like text me. He, you know, every night he'd say we're through six and he would know like we're in the fourth. He was just being, you know, <clears throat> just rubbing it in a little bit. So um, I don't think we've lost anything really that we, you know, can't live without. Now, check back in game seven of a championship series or the World Series. Is it going to feel rushed then? I I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think we've lost 25 minutes of guys standing around and adjusting their batting gloves and stepping off and doing this to the catcher, start the signs over. The game has a much better pace. The The biggest reason I like it is I think more people will like baseball because of it. I think more people will watch and stick around. I think it's a more entertaining product. And, and there are other rule changes as well, obviously, that have started this year. Um, but also, you know, if I can get home at 1045 instead of 1115, my dog is 30 minutes happier too. You know, daddy comes <laughs> home a little bit earlier. So, but, but I, I like it. It, it, I don't feel rushed. I just feel this is good. It, and Buck and I still have time to do stories. I, somebody tweeted at me last night, you know, people were worried there wouldn't be time for stories. Dan and Buck are talking about the Brady Bunch on air. Everything is fine. So, you know, we, we still have time to get some stuff in between batters here and there. And it's not a focus of the broadcast we've got a small sample size so far but it's not as prevalent as i thought it was going to be i'm like okay there's going to be a massive clock that we see ticking down but no it's not right. like that no you see it on what we call the bug you know the score bug at the bottom of the screen if you're in the ballpark i think there are five different pitch clocks around the ballpark uh you see it on the bug i believe from 10 seconds down it's kind of like a shot clock in basketball. You know, you might see it from 10 or 7 or 5 or whatever different networks decide to do. You know, and and, and the, the shot clock, in a way, is kind of a decent analogy. Like, there was a time there was no shot clock in basketball. And right now, that seems like the most insane idea that anybody could ever have. And there were college games that were... 12 to 8 and 6 to 4 and and how could anybody go watch that and and be entertained by that product so i'm sure when the historians uh, you know look back at this 50 years from now they might giggle and say you didn't have a pitch clock god the games must have been long but um i, I think it's great and obviously <coughs> i'm sorry excuse me obviously you bring it in, in in spring training and it gives guys 6 weeks to adjust and other than one spring training game where i think we had 9 violations on average, it's been like one, one a game. I don't, I don't think we had any last night. 
you know, a few guys are calling timeouts, but that's no big deal. They used to step out all the time, and, and now they can only do it once, and even very few guys are doing that. So I think I saw last year the average time of a game was 3.06, and so far this year it's like 2.41 or something like that. And, and that the last time games were 2.41 was 1984, I believe. So we've gone almost 40 years back in time in terms of the length of games. Uh, and, and again, you know, you and I are, are of a certain age. When we were kids, you only had a couple of things to do. You know, you could ride your bike or watch a game. Those were the only two things we knew how to do. So if you chose to watch a game, you watched a game. You know, now uh, young people can do 30 things at the same time. You've got to keep their attention. And I think the game moving quicker is is good for that. Uh, you mentioned Buck and uh, telling stories. He has now one of the most recognizable voices, I believe, in Canada. So... It's so distinct. Do you ever find yourself getting lulled into like a a haze when he's speaking in the booth? <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say so, but you're right. I, I mean, his his voice is distinctive. Um, his hair is distinctive. I mean, when he when he walks around, I mean, my lack of hair, I guess, is distinctive, but his hair is more distinctive. And listen, he's been a part of Toronto almost nonstop since 1980. I believe it's 82. I believe, is the year that he came to Toronto. You know, he's an icon um, in Toronto and across the country. He has been a broadcaster. Um, he has been a manager. He has been a player. Like, he's done everything you can do. So, you know, it's funny, Dan. The first time I, I got the job at TSN in 1995, and I was a kid. I was 28 years old, and I didn't really know Buck. We did an audition together. And I got offered the job, and I'm sorry, we did the audition together, and I did not get offered the job. And three months later, uh, from like November to February, I get a call back in February, are you still interested in the job? And of course, the answer was yes. And biggest break I've ever gotten. And for whatever reason, from day one, even though we didn't really know each other, we just kind of clicked on the air. And I'll, I'll never forget, one of the first things he said to me is if we can make this sound like two guys sitting at a bar talking baseball, watching a game, we'll be all right. And I think of that every single game that I do. And, and you know, we didn't work together for a long time. I was with him from 1995 through 2000. And then he became the manager in 2001. And I uh, left the Blue Jays to go to ESPN full-time in 2002. And I didn't come back till 2016. So we had 14 years between doing games together. And I swear by the second inning of that first game in 2016, it felt like, you know, no time had passed. So, uh, I'm very fortunate. I think we're very fortunate that we've, you know, we've got that on-air chemistry and hopefully people like it. Uh, when you're calling games with Buck, is there a park that you find? I wish this place got more love because we've got uh, we got Wrigley, you've got Fenway, you got PNC Park in Pittsburgh. Those are the okay. Those are the iconic ones now that people say okay, great sight lines, everything like that. Is there a park that maybe doesn't get as much love as it deserves? Yeah, well, Oracle, which I think is what the Giants Park is called now, that that gets love and um, and deservedly so. That it, you know what you know what it is. It's funny now. It used to get all the love in the world and deservedly so, and it doesn't as much anymore. And that's Camden Yards. Now they they kind of messed up in left field with the way they changed the fence and they wanted to reduce offense, make it a better pitcher's park. But other than that, eyesore in left field, like Camden Yards was the park that changed 
parks you know um, that's right camden came in like a year or two after the skydome right three years right skydome was 89 i believe and then i think what they uh, originally called new comiskey was 91 but they kind of missed the boat on new comiskey in my opinion i think camden yards came in in 92 now the orioles were really good then too right i think you're you know it's uh, you're still in the cal ripkin and all that so Um, And then after Camden Yards, it was like, boom, 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 Texas got one, Colorado got one, Seattle got one, San Diego got one, Cleveland got one. Like like that architecture company nailed it and everybody hired them and said, build us one of those. And and so Camden Yards to me is still the park that that kind of spawned all that. The other one is is Cleveland. And. Uh, again, I still call it Jacobs Field. I believe it's progress. One thing, as you can tell, I'm lousy at is what is the name of the cur- of ballparks right now? But yeah. I think it's Progressive Field right now. But um, Jacobs Field to me is great. It's just whenever I seem to be there, it's it's uh, you know misty or snowing or something like that. It's not typically great weather. But I those parks are both from the '90s and. And I still think they um, they look great. And I'll tell you another beautiful one is Target Field in Minneapolis. I'm a big, big, big fan of Target Field in Minneapolis. I don't think it gets a lot of attention when people talk about the nice parks out there, but I, I love going there and doing games there. And the three parks you just named, Cleveland, Boston, Mini, are all easily accessible by Canadians. So that's perfect. Um, yep. Who was your go-to play-by-play voice growing up that you hung on their every word when they were calling a game? Tom Cheek is the first guy I can think of. I mean, I mean, I'm born and raised in Toronto. Have lived there my whole life, other than I went to Western. You know, April seventh, seventy seven. April sixth, seventy seven. I probably wasn't a baseball fan. I was ten years old. April seventh, seventy seven. I was loved it from the moment it started. And Tom Cheek was there. You know, and back then, as you know, you there weren't that many games on TV. What what I think I remember is kind of Wednesday night and Sunday afternoon, you would get the Blue Jays on TV. And the rest of the time, it was radio. So as a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old kid learning baseball, Tom Cheek was the guy that I learned it from. My my bedtime as a kid would be based around what time zone the Blue Jays were in. I could stay up a little bit later if they were in the central time zone. If I, you know, did what I was supposed to do and finished my homework when they went out west, maybe I could stay up a little bit later than that to hear the Mariners game or the A's game or the a, or the uh, Angels game. And this is not an exaggeration. As you know, Tom Cheek was literally on every single game. He did 4,306 consecutive games. So, um, I would have to say Tom Cheek. I mean, I'm a big fan uh, of some of the guys who I grew up with listening to a little bit, not a little bit, a lot in the U.S. as well. Harry Callis for the Phillies, Ernie Harwell for the Tigers, Jack Buck for the Cardinals. And then I got to meet all of them, you know, in, uh, a little bit later on in life when I started calling games. And I got to work with Tom, which was as special and intimidating for me as anything. So I'd, I'd say those guys. I mean, they're um, those are all legendary Hall of Fame baseball broadcasters, and they all had an influence on me. Sounds like you and I lived the same childhood because I left my, I skipped out of my brother's graduation to go listen to a Jays game on the radio once uh, because I'm like, I, I can't miss this game. So I sat in the car while everyone else was at the graduation ceremony and Tom Cheek on the call. And then later right. in life, when I got into broadcasting, I was up in Fort McMurray, Alberta, doing a little one hour Saturday sports show. And I reached out to Tom Cheek and Tom Cheek came on my damn show. I'm like, I am no one. And he came on and spent 20 minutes talking about whatever with me. And I, I'll never forget that. Yeah. yeah you know, it's funny. Um, again, I got to know him quite well um, in the through the 90s uh, when he was still doing radio 
uh, before he got sick and I was and I was doing TV. And he's he was a big guy, as you know. I mean, I'm a pretty big guy, and he's bigger than me. He was bigger than me, and a booming voice. And he could be intimidating without meaning to be intimidating. But he was a big teddy bear. He really, really was. You know, kind of gruff on the outside. But if you started digging a little bit, he was a big teddy bear. And he was wonderful, like beyond wonderful to me. And Jerry was as well. Beyond wonderful to me from the moment I showed up. Because I just kind of, you know, fell into this without meaning to. And all of a sudden, I'm at CJCL and I'm doing pre- and post-game shows. And I'm down at spring training. And then I'm doing the games on TSN. Like, it all happened pretty quickly. And both Tom and Jerry were absolutely wonderful to me. Dan, a real quick rapid fire, then we'll get you out of here. You ready? Uh, I'm starting to sweat. I mean, it's, I'm it's starting to feel easy. pressure here already. It's, it's very easy. Uh, what's right. your Tim Hortons order? My, I don't go into Tim's very much anymore, but if I, if I would, um, I would probably get like a chocolate glaze and a French vanilla. That's what okay. I got. That's all I got for you. A French vanilla. That's also uh, Tom Green's order. He was uh, uh, on recently on Boomsie. Oh, State. good to know. Uh, best park to call a ball game. Wow. That is so hard. Um, I'm going to say, let's say it's October. It's a playoff game, right? Like, so everything is heightened. Um, um I'm going to say uh, Wrigley Field. Wrigley and Fenway, like they're just in a, a separate category. Maybe it's because I've been to Fenway a thousand times because they're in the division that the Blue Jays are in that Wrigley just edges it out as being a little bit more unique and a little bit more special to me. Best travel city that you guys go to? Um, Chicago and Boston in a dead heat. I love, love, love both of those cities will never, ever miss uh, a road trip to one of those cities. They're both great walking cities, great food cities. And again, uh, if we're talking Cubs, you're talking Wrigley and, and Fenway. So you got the great ballparks as well. Have you ever been starstruck by a player? Uh, well, Daryl Sittler, I'm switching sports here. No problem. Uh, if you if you go back to Little Danny, it's all hockey and it's Daryl Sittler. Like you may think it's coincidence we have the same initials, but let's be honest, it's not. So um, I was starstruck when I met him the first few times when I was still working at CJCL and and doing talk shows and interviews. And I would bump into him every now and again in the airport or at a charitable dinner or something like that. So I would say Daryl Sittler the most and then uh, was very fortunate to uh, meet and interview Hank Aaron a couple of times and was starstruck then as well. Have you ever eaten anything or drank anything before broadcast where you're like, oh, I can't do that again? Uh, I have a, a no Mexican food on game day policy. So, yes. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I, and I love Mexican food, but it just seems like, you know, why roll the dice? I was doing a junior hockey game in Kamloops, British Columbia for TSN in 1990-something and I don't know what I ate, but it's about the sickest I've ever been in my life. And I missed the second and third period. And, it, you know, it happens. People don't need to hear any more about that than I've already said. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I try. I, I'm a pretty bland, plain eater anyways, but I try to be even a little bit more so. Also, if I'm eating pasta, like you're going to see it on my shirt before we come on camera, I'm that guy. So I, 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 try, to, I try to just keep it very clean, very plain. Another question from my mom, Sandra. Do you ever get tired of being on the road in, in hotel rooms so much? Sure. Absolutely. Anybody who says no is lying. Um, you know, I have kids uh, and uh, missed a lot. Um, I have three older boys and a, and a little guy. And when the three older boys were, were young, I missed a lot. And um, I always say anybody who 
who unconditionally loves travel doesn't travel. And it's wonderful. I mean, I'm, I have nothing to complain about. It's just you do get tired, you know, time zones and you know, did I leave that did I leave that jacket in the in the closet? Where is it? Why are there no rental cars? You know, just things like that, like stuff all of us go through. Um, uh, you just go through it a little bit more in my line of work. So um, absolutely. And two, I'm 56. You know, traveling at 56 is different than traveling at 32 or something like that. Your energy is not quite the same. So, yes, tell tell your mom, Sandra, that. Yes, well, that first day I come home from a road trip and get to go to sleep in my own bed, that's always a, that's always a good thing. Okay, so let's end with this then. What's your best travel tip for packing or for picking hotels or for whatever? What is the greatest tip you can give someone who's traveling? Um, so if I don't know if you're a notes guy or a list guy. On my phone, I kind of have pack these things, Danny. And, uh, and I just kind of go down the list and, and I've got like the three day trip and the seven day trip and, uh, and that sort of thing. It uh, it just helps me not forget things. Inevitably I'll do it a little bit. Um, I would say that and absolutely 1000% for every flight you are taking, make sure you sign up for notifications in advance to know if your plane is delayed and don't only do that, Click on the where is this plane coming from and sign up for notifications for that flight as well because you'll find out about that one two hours earlier and you'll save yourself a lot of of time at the airport. Dan, you're the best. And once again, uh, I've never met a Dan I don't like, so I appreciate you. I appreciate that. Let's keep that streak intact. Danny, good job. No one calls me Danny. Oh, no, no, wrong. Knuckles Nylon. Chris Nylon calls me Danny. He's the only one that calls me that. And I'm not going to tell him to call me anything else because he could decapitate me. Although I once said that to uh, Mike Tyson. He was on our show at Fox. And I said, if you hit me as hard as you could in the head, would you break my neck or decapitate me? And Mike Tyson looked at me and says, you're stronger than you think. And I'm like, Mike Tyson just gave me a pep talk. So maybe I'd do okay against Knuckles. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Big week next week. We'll see you then. Welcome to Boomsies with Dan O'Toozie. Live from Orno in the heart of Ontario. Oh, baby, Boomsies. Thanks for listening to Boomsies.